have his way in our service today. I want to encourage you, just press in and enter in to worship today. Oh, he's worthy of our highest praise, church. Oh, glory. Father, we love you today. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness. We thank you for your love today, Lord God. We thank you, Lord. Father, for this season as we celebrate Easter, Lord God, our resurrected Savior, we thank you today that because of your love you gave, Lord, that we might live, Father. We honor you today with our worship. We pray that you would minister to every heart, every need today. And, Father, we give all the glory and the praise to you. 
No. 
sir. Amen. If you have your Bibles, if you would go with me to John chapter 19. John chapter 19. We're going to fast forward from Palm Sunday to Good Friday, so we're, we're going to go to the cross this morning, and let's look at some thoughts from the cross of Calvary. So if you would, John's Gospel chapter 19, and we'll begin with verse 25. Jesus is on the cross, and he's Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. 
later knowing that everything had now been finished, so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. And a jar of wine vinegar was there, and they soaked a sponge on it, put the sponge on a stalk of a hyssop plant, and lifted it up to Jesus' lips. And when he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And without, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. We pray. Father, we thank you for the cross of Calvary. We thank you that you sent your one and only son to die in our place, to endure our shame and our punishment, that we might stand here today redeemed and saved, right with you, eternal and abundant life. Lord, help us this morning to grasp these great truths about the sayings of Jesus on the cross. Help us to understand them and help us to apply them. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, We'll use as our title this morning, Cries from the Cross and Messages for Today. We're looking at the cries of the cross of Calvary. It's recorded that Jesus spoke seven times while he was on Calvary's cross. And each one of those messages, each one of those sayings has a message for the now, has something to speak to us this morning. Now, in times past, we've covered the first two in depth. We'll just touch on them briefly and move on. But this week, we'll try to cover at least three more, maybe four. The first one comes from Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, in verse 34. And Jesus said those words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is the cry of forgiveness. This is the cry of forgiveness. After that terrible scourging, after they had put that crown of thorns on him, after they had brutalized the Son of God, they brutally beat and mocked God's only begotten Son, and they ridiculed and rejected the one that God had sent to redeem and rescue lost humanity. While men had done their worst, as one preacher said, it's when God was at his best. For when men had done their worst, the first words recorded from the lips of the Savior, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It speaks to us about the great heart of God. It speaks to us about the great need of man. The first words on Calvary's cross. Now, Father, judge them, or Father, get them, or Father, rescue me. But, Father, forgive them. And it shows us the great heart of God. And it shows us the great need of man. Because everyone needs the forgiveness that only God can give. And God shows us through his Son that he desires to forgive anyone and everyone that will come to him. This cry reveals God's desire and our greatest need. And God forgives through the blood, through the blood of his son only. So we encourage everyone to receive it and respond to it and run to it. Don't neglect it. Don't reject it. Don't avoid it. Don't put it off. You might not have tomorrow. And the blood of Jesus is the only way and the only source to receive the forgiveness from God himself. The first cry of the cross, and we covered it years ago. We preached a whole message on the cry of forgiveness. Father, forgive them. Aren't you glad that you were included in the them? Forgive them. They know not what they do. Then secondly, the second cry is the cry of salvation. And again, we've preached this more thoroughly in times past, but in Luke's Gospel, chapter 23, 42 and 43, two thieves on a cross, one's mocking him, one's making fun. If you're the king, if you're the Messiah, get, get us down, rescue yourself and rescue us. But the other one seized the moment and admitted he was guilty and at fault. And he said, Jesus, remember me 
when you come into your kingdom. You know the story, one thief nailed to this side, one thief nailed to that side, but one said, Jesus, remember me. I'm guilty. I'm deserving of this. You're not. Please remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, this day you will be with me in paradise. That's the cry of salvation. Again, two thieves on the cross. One saved and the other one was lost. One was saved so we wouldn't despair. And we know there's hope, there's hope. If you've got breath in your lungs, you can call on the Lord Jesus now and he'll save you and he'll receive you. And today, you can be with him. One saved and the other lost. One was saved so we wouldn't despair. But one was lost so we wouldn't presume. You can't put it off. Don't play games with your eternal soul. One mocked the Son of God. One made light of his serious situation. But the other one cried out, I'm guilty. Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered today, you'll be with me in paradise. This cry reveals to you and I that it's never too late to turn to Christ. But turn you must. It's never too late to confess you're a sinner and need a Savior and come to Jesus for salvation. But you've got to come and you've got to choose and you've got to. You won't get saved by accident. You won't get saved by doing nothing. You must turn and you must call. You must receive. For each one of us is only a breath away from eternity. Don't ever forget that you and I are only a heartbeat away from seeing the living God face to face. Two thieves. Both so close, both so needy. One responds and one rejects the opportunity, the cry of salvation. And now we begin the cry of affection. John 19, verses 25 through 27. John 19, verses 25 through 27. The Bible says that near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, stood his mother. His mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, that's John, standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, this is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her into his home. Wow. At the cross, we see the women. They're last at the cross and they're first at the tomb. God bless women of faith. Amen, amen. Good time to say amen, ladies. <laughs> God bless women of faith. Let us observe two things from this cry of affection. Number one, let's see a mother. Verse 25 says she stood. The love of a mother. Maybe she couldn't understand, but she could love. Mother's Day message, Mary at the cross. <laughs> She stood and during the prophecy of Simeon, do you remember that prophecy? The second chapter of Luke, when Jesus was just a few weeks old and his parents brought him to the temple. And there was this aged saintly man by Simeon. And God had promised a spiritual man, this man of God, that you will not die until you see the Messiah. And as soon as they walked in, the spirit came all over Simeon. And he went and he blessed the family, Joseph and Mary and Jesus. And then he began to prophesy and speak to Mary and speak about Jesus. How he'd be a light to the Gentiles and he'd bring glory to Israel. But then he went on and he said, but that's not it. There's more. He said he'll actually cause the falling and the rising of many in Israel. He'll be a sign spoken against and Mary and Mary and a sword will pierce your heart also. And oh, Mary's going through that at the cross. 
His disciples may have deserted him and his friends might have forsaken him. The nation's leaders might have despised him, but his mother stands at the foot of the cross. A mother's heart, enduring the agony and the sorrow of her child. She was the first to kiss his brow, and now there's a crown of thorns. She was the first to ever play with little hands and feet, and now they're nailed to a criminal's cross. She beheld it all, the mocking, the accusing, the attacking. She didn't run, and she could have fled, and who could have blamed her? But instead, she stands. And we see here a mother's love, a mother's loyalty, and a mother's devotion. We see a mother, but now let's see a son. There's something moving in the fact that while Jesus is in the agony of the cross, when salvation of the world's hanging in a balance, his thoughts were with the loneliness and care of his mother in the days to come. What a lesson for us. Don't attempt to save the world and lose your own home. Jesus never forgot practical responsibility. This cross, this cry of the cross says to us, when we've really been to Calvary and we've really experienced the true salvation, there will be and there must be a practical and a visible result in our lives. And we pray, Lord Jesus, help us to live out our salvation in our homes and on the job and at the school and in the store. Here's Jesus on the cross of Calvary enduring the wrath for all humanity, being our sacrifice, redeeming men unto himself, but his heart and his mind still goes to the care of his mother. This is the cry of affection. This is the cry of affection. From there we go to the cry of anguish. That's verse number four, the cry of anguish. Matthew 27 and verse 46 where Jesus says, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You know, Jesus was crucified about 9 o'clock in the morning. And from about 9 till noon, the sun was bright. But then at noontime, a miraculous darkness covered the face of the earth. It wasn't a sandstorm. It wasn't an eclipse. But it was a heaven-sent darkness that lasted about three hours. It was though all of creation was groaning and sympathizing with the Creator. And then after those three hours of darkness, Jesus cried, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? You see, on the cross, Jesus was enduring the judgment and the penalty for our sin and the sins of the world. On the cross, the world's sin fell upon Christ. God's wrath and God's divine justice was being satisfied on his only begotten son as he took our place. He bore it all, including the greatest penalty and the greatest punishment there is, separation from God. See, that's hell. See, hell's a real place, and hell's a terrible place. There is no love in hell because God is love. There is no joy in hell because joy comes from the Spirit of God. There is no peace in hell because peace comes from God and God only. Cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This is the cry of anguish. We see two things here. We see Jesus enduring the wrath of God for you and for me. We should always be moved. We should always be touched when we sing songs about the blood of Jesus and the cross of Calvary. 
when we truly recognize and understand all that was going on that day. The day we called it Good Friday because we know what happened. It didn't look good then. We know it was good now. But also the cry of anguish. Jesus gives you and I an example of how we can endure through our painful times in life. The cry of anguish. Jesus was being a sin offering. He was bearing the cross, for, the curse for you and I. We see, number one, the faithfulness. The faithfulness of the Son of God. He says, my God, my God. He uses a term of personal affection. Jesus would recall the words he spoke in John chapter 10. When he says, therefore the Father loves me because I give my life. I lay my life down. And now here in response, when he is on the cross, Jesus cries out, my God. Even though the Father had hidden his face. Even though it was a time that he had never experienced from the before time was. Jesus still cries out, my God, my God. The father hides his face, but Jesus still loves him. And Jesus still confesses his unshakable confidence and devotion to him. My God, my God. Jesus responds to the father. He never doubted. He never wavered. He didn't say, oh God, or why God? But he said, my God, my God. This cry expresses the faithfulness of Jesus, even on the cross. Oh, my God. Even in the midst of this trial, even as I endure this pain, even as I go through this anguish and this darkness, even then will I continue to trust in thee and believe in thee and hope in thee and remain true to thee. I won't stop looking to you. I won't stop clinging to you. I won't stop. My God, my God. Oh, friends, so many, too many fall apart when things get hard. Too many go the other direction when they go through the confusing, perplexing times of life. But Jesus shows that even the darkest moments of his life, he still declares, you are my God, and I will trust you, and I will continue on believing in you, hoping in you, and waiting on you. What an example when you and I face the trying times of life. On the cross, the reality and the totality and the fatality of sin and all of its judgment falls on Jesus Christ. And he endured it for you and he endures it for me. And then he leaves us an example. When we face such times that try our souls, such times when our faith is being tested and proven, somebody keep the faith. Somebody won't endure. That thing won't last forever, but God's grace will. Keep the faith. Keep the faith. It's not always easy. And he never said it would be without his troubles and his trials and his burdens and his battles. But keep the faith. Keep the faith. Because if you'll endure the cross, you'll get to enjoy the crown. Keep the faith. A.W. Pink writes of this saying of the cross. He writes, this cry was a cry of distress, but not of distrust. He might have been in agony. His faith might have been stretched to its limits. But he continued to trust God and hope in God. And he wouldn't turn away from God. My God! My God. God had withdrawn from him, but mark how his soul still clings and cleaves to God. We pray, Father, give us such faith in trying times. Give me such faith in trying times. We're all familiar with David's words. Many 
are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord delivers us out of them all. And we thank God that for every trial there is a deliverance. For every sickness there is a healing. For every need there is a provision. We thank God that he is a deliverer. And we have to remember when we go through these times, deliverance is coming. Deliverance is coming. And until then, his grace is there for our enduring. But let's keep the faith. And let's keep that good confession. My God, my God, I don't know why I'm going through this. I don't know how long you're going to keep me in this. But I still declare you are my God and I will trust thee and I will love thee and I will stay committed to thee. Somebody say amen. Oh, glory to God forevermore. Oh, yeah. Keep the faith. Like the preacher of old said, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Glory to God. It might be your Friday, but it's not going to stay your Friday. Resurrection Sunday's coming up from the grave, he arose. Hallelujah. Oh, we're talking about the cries of the cross. Jesus was on the cross of Calvary. It's recorded. He spoke seven sayings. Each one of those sayings had something to do with the now, but also with the then. And we've studied many of them in depth. We've looked at that cry of forgiveness. Father, forgive them. I thank God he spoke that over my life. How about you? He doesn't know what he's doing. When he wakes up, he'll come back. Thank God. Amen. The cry of salvation. This day. This day. This day. This day. You can be real close, but you've got to cry out to make it this day. You can be all around the presence of God and ignore it like one thief. Or you can come clean and say, Lord, I'm guilty, but you're full of mercy. This day. Hallelujah. Cry of salvation. Cry of affection. Mm. Jesus cares about his mother while he's going through all. Some people get very, very selfish when they get a hangnail. I mean, some go through the littlest thing, and all of a sudden they think life has given them a freedom to act ungodly. I got a right. No, you don't. If you're a Christian, you got a right to act like Jesus, no matter what you go through. Amen? We're not our own. We've been bought with a price. Amen, somebody. I know that's challenging, but we got to get beyond elementary school sometime in this thing. And Jesus has given us the example that even on the cross... When he could have said, I'm too busy to worry about you now, mother. You're still taking care of the practical things. Wow. Oh, what a savior. That cry of anguish. That cry of anguish, my God. Even when it seems like the father had turned. Jesus is still declaring, you're my God. And I will not stop loving you and trusting you and putting my hope in you. Now the cry of suffering. John 19 and verse 28, Jesus said, I thirst. I thirst. Let's look at this. John 19 and verse 28. Later knowing that everything had now been finished and so that the scripture would be fulfilled. That's important. Jesus said, I thirst or I am thirsty. Hmm. There are three breakdowns here in this thought. Number one, this speaks of the humanity of Jesus. He was a real substitute. He was a real human being. He endured a real agony on Calvary's cross. A real suffering because he was really identifying 
with you and with me. You see, Jesus had to suffer completely and thoroughly and fully as a man so that, number one, he could be a proper sacrifice and representative, a substitute for you and I on that cross. But also so that when after it's all over, he can be that high priest that is sympathetic to our needs and was tempted in all ways like we were. So we see here this speaks of the humanity of Jesus. On the cross, he's enduring real physical, emotional, mental suffering and anguish, for he had a real body. He had just emerged from three hours of darkness when he felt the wrath of God and the separation from God. He was thirsty that he might redeem you and I from an eternal thirst. And today, whoever comes to Jesus, he said, will never thirst again. We'll never thirst for purpose or meaning, forgiveness. We'll never thirst for righteousness and wholeness again. This speaks of the humanity of Jesus. He really did suffer on that cross. So he can really identify with us when we suffer. He really did suffer on the cross. So he is a worthy sacrifice. So we can declare there's no more condemnation. He paid it all. He paid it all. This also speaks of the submission of Jesus. Notice that little phrase that the scripture would be fulfilled. He was fulfilling scripture. Something interesting. That the scripture would be fulfilled. Jesus was committed to live out the word and the will of God. Even to this extent. That's challenging. Sometimes the will of God is Something we desire until it challenges us or stretches us or is costly to us. And then it's so easy just to slip back into good enough. But here we see Jesus, that the scripture would be fulfilled. He goes to that extent to obey the word and the will of God. Jesus' burning thirst calls out to us about the depth of his submission to the word of God. Jesus was resigned to do whatever had been written. Right down to this. Jesus was submissive to the Father's will as recorded in the Father's word regardless. And he leaves us a beautiful example. We pray that we might imitate his example. This is that example that Paul wrote about when Paul exhorted us in Romans 12 that I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God that you would present yourselves, your bodies, as living sacrifices. That we'd give ourselves completely to God. That he would do what he wants and use us as he desires. And have his way completely, thoroughly in our lives. And Jesus gives us this example. Even when the will of God was uncomfortable. Even when the way of God was challenging and unusual. Yet Jesus submitted to it that the word and the will of God would be fulfilled. And many times we have to learn how to come to an altar. And say, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. That, Lord, if this is your desire, others might not understand me, others might not applaud me, but if this is your word and your will for me, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to do it with the best attitude I can do it with. Can you say amen? amen? The cry of suffering, I thirst. It speaks of the humanity of Jesus, the submission of Jesus. It speaks, again, We touched on this briefly, the sympathy of Jesus. Our substitute was completely identifying with us on the cross and for us. 
That's why the Bible says he was touched with the feelings of our pains and our infirmities. As one author put it, I know God sees me. I know that he knows all things. That's basic theology. But what I really want to know is whether God feels my pain. Well, standing at the foot of the cross, we need not wonder any longer. For on the cross of Calvary, the pain of rejection, the pain of injustice, the pain of abandonment, the pain of verbal, physical, emotional abuse, he felt it all. And we hear it in the words, I thirst. I thirst. You see, everyone thirsts, but it's what we do to quench that thirst that will determine heaven or hell. Abundant life for barely getting by in this Christian experience. I thirst. I thirst. Don't try to quench that thirst with money and materialism. Others with, with, with the, the party life and the drugs and the others with just thinking they're more than what they really are. But let's never forget that we were made by God and for God. And only God can truly satisfy the thirst that's within this thirst, the soul of man. The cross shows us that God is not unmindful of our distresses and our anguish. He bore our griefs and he carried our sorrows. Friend, he understands what you're going through. He feels the pain that you're enduring. Your sufferings and your trials, even if those closest to you are unaware of the things, God is not unaware. And Jesus is not unsympathetic to what you're going through and what you went through. He went to the cross and he took every kind of pain one could imagine on that cross that he could be a healer to those that had to go through those things. He's a healer. He's a mender. He's a great physician. He's a burden bearer. We can come with our weaknesses and he understands. We can come and tell him the areas that we're being tried and we're being tempted in. And he understands. He suffered himself. And the cross tells us God is not indifferent to your pain and to your trial and to your sorrow. For in the Savior, he experienced it. In Jesus, he was touched by. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. The cry of suffering, a thirst. And now lastly, let me just touch this one briefly. We can't go too long. Just wanted to make it quick. The cry of victory. The cry of victory. John 19 and verse 30. And Jesus cried out. Matthew says in a loud voice, It is finished. Oh my, it is finished. In the Greek, it's finished. It stands finished. It will always be finished. Paid in full. It was a banking term in those days. Paid in full. The debt is completely paid. The work is accomplished. The power of sin's hold is broken. In this cry of victory and triumph, we have, number one, a word of completion, but then also a word of conquest just to summarize it, it's a whole sermon. We're going to do it in about a minute and a half. It's the word of completion. When Jesus said, it is finished, he said the work that God had given him to do, it was finished. He fulfilled the work, and he finished the work the Father had sent him to do. That means every obstacle between man and God had been removed. 
That means every demand of the law had been satisfied and the sin question fully dealt with. That's why this is a gospel of grace. It's not a gospel of works. Jesus did everything that needs to be done. All we do is receive it by receiving him. By putting our faith in him and giving our lives to him. We can't earn it. We'd fail every time. But thank God I don't have to earn it. I receive it by receiving him. That's why it's a gospel of grace. Certainly after I receive him, I live right. I want to live right. I got a new heart. I got a new, I got a new peace. I got a new everything with God. But oh, I don't earn this and I don't achieve this. Jesus paid it all on Calvary. Jesus paid it all. Praise his name. And it was a word of completion, but also a word of conquest. The two previous thoughts um, expressed the cross's tragedy, the suffering, the anguish, the anxiety. But this speaks of the cross's victory. For this is a cry not of a victim, but of a victor. This word of conquest, it announces the Savior's triumph. And um, when he said, It is finished. He was declaring his ultimate victory. I mean, the resurrection, it's just, that's, that's, that's coming anyhow. This is really where the action is, amen? Once he went to that cross and did it on the cross, that's, 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 that's an easy thing. The, cross, the resurrection was an easy thing. But on the cross, when he said it is finished, he's declaring that man's three greatest enemies had been given a death blow and had been defeated. And those that come to Christ can walk in victory. What are they? The world, the flesh, and the devil. It is finished. Remember what Jesus said in John 16. He said, listen, in this world you're going to have troubles. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He says that world system can no, doesn't have to control us anymore. And defile us anymore. And deceive us anymore. But in Christ there's victory over the world. And we can walk in this world but not be of this world or enslaved by this world. Can you say amen? Because it's finished. It's paid in full. He paid the price to free us from the hold of the world. That we can walk in victory. And we can live right even though we're in a foreign land and looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. The world, the flesh, it is finished. Therefore we can say it's no longer I that liveth. But Christ that liveth in me. Amen. That sin has no more dominion over the believer. And we can live a holy life. And we can live a righteous life. But on the cross broke the power of this flesh and gave us new birth. Over the devil. Glory to God. He disarmed those principalities. He triumphed over the works of the devil. He defeated death, hell, and the grave on that cross. So today you and I can resist the devil. And he'll flee from our lives. What a glorious thought. It is finished. And to the believer, that cry of conquest, it speaks to you and I of a certainty. It speaks to you and I of a victory. And it speaks to you and I of a ministry. It speaks to us of a certainty. Paid in full. He paid the price. I don't have to pay it. I just walk in it. I enjoy it. I receive it. I embrace it. Paid in full. There is a certainty and a security that heaven is my home. My sins are forgiven. I'm in the Lord. He holds me in the palm of his hand. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. 
It is finished gives you and I a certainty of our salvation, a certainty of our eternal destiny, a certainty that he who began that good work in us, he's not going to finish. He's going to finish it. Amen? There's a certainty that comes when I hear it's been paid in full. He paid for your sin. He paid for your sin. He paid for my sin. Don't let the devil condemn you with it and hold you captive by it. It's been paid. Like I say all the time when Brother Jerry takes me to France and he's so kind enough to pay for it, you think I go behind him and pay double? You are not on your life. I walk out free as a bird, not worried about anyone calling the cops or tapping me on the shoulder. Why? He paid the bill. He paid the bill. It's been paid. All I did is eat. Can you say amen? Someone else paid. I'm free from that obligation to pay. But didn't you eat? Yes, I did. But someone else paid. Jesus paid. Didn't you? Oh, I owed a lot. I owed a debt I could not pay. But he paid a debt he did not owe. Woo! Hallelujah. Remember that old song? Yeah. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owe a debt I cannot pay. I needed someone just to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song. Amazing grace. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. Hallelujah. You might have failed. You might have messed up. Get it under the blood. Get it under the blood. And then there's no condemnation. Then it's paid. It's paid. It's paid. And you can walk in the freedom of forgiveness. It is finished. Paid in full. It speaks of a certainty that we can know that we know. We're saved and our sins are forgiven. And we are secure in Christ. There's a security and there's a victory. Paid in full. We enter into his triumph. Thanks be to God that gives us the victory, paid in full. Because we're with Christ, we enjoy this victory. Speaks of a ministry that you and I that know the Lord have been entrusted with a message that we can tell our world, it's been paid, it's been paid, it's paid in full. You don't have to go to a statue. You don't have to sacrifice an animal. You don't have to try to live your best life and hope that you'll get in. It's been paid by Jesus Christ. You can be forgiven through Christ. You can go to heaven through Christ. He is the way. He is the door. He is the avenue. It is finished. It is finished. Let there be no more condemnation. Jesus paid it all. Let there be no more intimidation. Jesus paid it all. Let there be no more unsettling in one's life. No more accusation from the enemy. Jesus paid it all. It is paid. And you are the recipient of his great sacrifice. Somebody give God a praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God forevermore. We have to save that seventh one for another time and another day. To your hands I commit my spirit. Wow. Those words are powerful. Words of a child is resting in the arms of a parent going to sleep. Into your hands I commit my spirit. What do you do when you don't know what to do? Into your hands I commit my spirit. What do you do when you've checked every option and they all look bad and some look worse than others? Into your hands I commit my... When you're facing it and the doctors don't give you much hope and you're not even sure what they're talking about. But you can't get out of it. You've got to walk that path under your hands. Into your hands. I commit. Wow. Oh, what a place of rest. What a place. 
Oh, I'd like to preach an hour on that one. Under your hands, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. The world don't control me. Hell don't control me. Amen. I belong to Jesus. I belong to the Lord. Into your hands. Hallelujah. Isn't that right? You all know what I'm talking about. Sometimes you're, you're with that loved one. they got to go to that operation. I remember the, our little guy had his feet done years ago. And, you know, they let you go this far. And then mama can go a little farther. But sooner or later, there's that door that no one goes through. Amen. Oh, no one goes through. Amen. I'm glad Jesus goes through. Isn't that right? And you're watching that little baby go through there. And, you know, of all the faith you have, you're still on, you know, you're still on walking on eggshells when it's your baby. Isn't that right? But Jesus can go there. Lord, into your hands we commit this situation. Into your hands we commit this situation. Hallelujah. Glory to Oh, glory, glory. Hallelujah. Woo. Cries from the cross. Messages for today. Message of forgiveness. Father, forgive them. Have you received the forgiveness that only Jesus can give? If not, come and receive it. Come and receive it. And if you have, give them praise for it. Walk in the freedom of it. Salvation, salvation. Today, today, today you'll be with me. Doesn't matter how close we are. We've got to take that next step and receive him personally. Call on him personally. Don't be satisfied with just knowing about him. You've got to know him personally. Don't be satisfied with just being around others that know the Lord. You've got to come. That cry of affection. May our Christianity be real. Come on, say amen. Not not being religious. It's got to be real. It's got to be real. It's got to be real. Cry of anguish. My God, my God. Going through the hardest times. Don't lose your faith. Keep holding on to Christ. Keep leaning on those everlasting arms. Isn't that right? My God, my God. Might not understand this. But I will trust you. Hallelujah. I thirst. I thirst. When no one else can understand. And we'd be lying if we said we could. Jesus understands. He has felt your pain. He has gone through that suffering. And he is there to comfort you and to give you grace and to give you help in your time of trial and temptation. And then finally, it is finished. We thank the Lord for the victory this morning. Amen? Because we know, we know, they they killed him, but he didn't stay in that grave. Isn't that right? They they mocked him, but uh, they're not mocking now. We know that. Amen? Demons jeered. They're not jeering now. Sunday came. Glory to God, Sunday came. Let us close by giving God praise for the sacrifice of his son. Let's honor the Lord Jesus this morning before we leave. Let's just sing and express our devotion for his sacrifice and his shed blood. Let's glory in the cross. Before we glory in all these other things, let's glory in the cross of Calvary. Let's focus on Jesus and just express our love and our gratitude to him. If you're here this morning and you have not personally received that forgiveness, don't leave. You might not make it back next time. No one's guaranteed. 
It's a crazy world. Crazy drivers out there. You might not say, I'm young. Well, don't guarantee you're going to live another year. We're all a heartbeat away from eternity. But mama's a Christian. Well, thank God for mama. Are you a Christian? But, but I grew up in it. I'm glad you grew up in it. But have you received Christ? A thief on the cross. One was real close. Real piggy. Touched. You can hear Jesus. Personally, he rejected him. But the other one admitted he was guilty. He came to Jesus for forgiveness. So if you don't know the forgiveness of God, don't leave. As we sing, come, so I want to pray with you. You can leave here knowing every sin you've ever committed is completely gone forever. Oh, my, 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 my. But if you just have a need to pray, if you want someone to pray physically, we'll anoint you with oil and believe God to touch your body. If you just want to come near the altar just to lift up your hands, focus on Calvary and give him praise for that shed blood and that love and that sacrifice. Let's do so. Let's do so. Would you stand with me, please? Let's pray our last prayer and sing our final song. Open these altars that whosoever wants to come and receive from God can. We pray, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the cross of Calvary. And we thank you for the loving sacrifice of your Son. Father, we thank you. You didn't leave us in our sins. You didn't reject us after we had failed. Many of us had failed again and again. But your mercy and your grace continue to reach out to us. And like that prodigal in the pig pen, when we finally came to ourselves, you didn't say too late. When we finally came to ourselves and realized we needed to get things right, you were there to receive us. You were there to accept us. You were there to forgive us and wash us and cleanse us. Oh, Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you died for us as our substitute in our place, as our Savior. Lord Jesus, this morning, from the depths of thankful and grateful hearts, receive the expression of our love as we just take a few moments to praise you and to worship you and to draw near to you. And all God's people said, let's worship the Lord together. If you need prayer, come. Don't leave if you're not right with God.